electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber, along with Jim Cramer. Carl's on assignment this morning. Let's give you a quick look at futures as we get ready to uh, start trading. Half hour from now what Jim and I like to call the old hump day. Let's get to our roadmap this morning. It does start with Treasury Secretary Yellen's warning saying uh, or being ready to tell Congress of the, quote, enormous economic repercussions from the Russia-Ukraine war. Plus, we've got a low-cost carrier battle, JetBlue's surprise bid for Spirit, and potential disruption for a Frontiers deal. But, well, here regulators may prove the real roadblock. And Big Oil's Big Capitol Hill showdown. The CEOs of Exxon, Chevron, and others are set to face what may be a grilling over higher gas prices this morning. Let's start with the markets, though, ahead of Treasury Secretary Yellen's Capitol Hill testimony. Um, Jim had a few conversations this morning. There is real concern about a slowdown. Um, A slowdown overall. Does the Fed engineer a hard landing? Look at the data, look at mortgage rates, look at what's coming from China or lack thereof. Globally, the economy is slowing. Just giving you some of my notes here. I want to get your reaction. I think that's right. And I think that we got something that was really an amazing change from a two Fed, Fed heads, so to speak, Brainerd and Daly. And what they're basically saying, and I, th- I think that there's a lot of truth to it right now, and I would summarize it by saying that uh, inflation running at 40-year high is as harmful as not having a job, according to uh, the Fed's daily. I thought that was very good. And then we had some very thoughtful comments by Brainerd, who was really, I mean, it's be a, you know, she will be a number two, really talking about the idea that we're, off, we're way off the rails here uh, because the working person is going to get hurt. Now, these were people who very much protected the working person and were trying to get jobs. But now they feel that maybe they screwed up, went too far, a little remorse uh, at the same time as uh, as maybe there was a slowdown to begin with. All right. So what is that set up for? Is the bond market trying to tell us something here? I mean, yes. is the likelihood of a recession growing with the Fed's continued uh, plan to, I mean, maybe we get even 50 basis points the next meeting cool. uh, in terms of tightening and what does seem to be at least signs of a slowdown? Well, what I would say is we have to look at the, there is an analog. And that's the October 2018 analog, where you saw a tremendous decline in uh, in tech in particular. And that was because the Fed decided it's time. Uh, And they talked it into a downturn. Most importantly, you saw tech down between 20 and 50 percent in three months' time. And that's what you have to be most worried about, because those are the ones that go down when they want to tighten. And I forget that. But also, David, I mean, I I had... um, I, I had a fellow by the name of Leo Ron on yesterday, $17 billion in freight run by Uber. And he traced out a scenario. He said some rates are down 30, 25. But, of course, off a of very high rate, they were up 60% year over year. But he made the point. He said, here's what we see. 
we see trucking finally uh, easing up at the exact same time that inventories are building. Right. That's recession. It is. Yeah. yeah. That's what you take away from that. Look, we've yeah. talked a lot about that, and there has been a lot of focus on the transports in part and trucking in particular, but others as well, FedEx, even UPS, and just UPS what seems to be. UPS is getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that just shows Justified. you major slowdown in freight. The transports are really signaling a slowdown. Uh, there's no let up in production. And yet we seem we're going to we could run into a plot very quickly. Now, the 2018 scenario is much more of an attack on tech just because that's the highest multiple. Uh, no reason to panic if you're in a lot of other sectors. But I think that we are. Um, uh, let's just say the time to be more conservative is now. You do. You think so? It's now when you have two Fed people recognize that, you know what? Growth is hurting the working person instead of helping because the growth is too high. Uh, but more importantly, inflation's too high. We well, you know inflation running at nine yeah. and wages running at five. That's a real slaughter to the working person. Working um, person. You really know, Barry, Barry Stern looked always worth a listen, Certainly. even when he's completely wrong on carried interest. Uh, kudos to, uh, to Sorkin on that one. But I listen to Barry because he's very smart. This is what he had to say this morning uh, on the Fed and the challenges ahead. The Fed is going to have a challenge because I think the economy is slowing. I mean, global deglobalization is real. Imports from China are, are really so the import numbers. I mean, we are we're, we're buying everything and it's all sitting in containers and warehouses are full. There's a lot of problems in the supply chain. So costs are rising rapidly. Construction costs are up 10 to 30 percent year over year. Um, so you either have to charge more to make it economic or you're going to stop construction because nobody's going to pay you. Of course, when it comes to residential housing, Jim, 5% mortgage rates may give people some pause as well. You see some of these numbers that Diana Oak put out today, 41% decline in the uh, number of people trying to buy a home. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in That New can York, happen fast, can yes, it? Well, in New York, uh, a month ago, you might have uh, five offers for a place that's $4 million. A- And now you have none. They got to cut the price. Um, so you're at that moment where, again, like Barry said, inventory builds. You know, there's buyer, buyer, buyer. Uh, They make inventory, inventory, inventory to equal the buyers. And then the rates go up, but they're still putting out inventory. That's what Barry said. And then you've got a, uh, not a cliff, but a decline where the buyers walk away in almost everything. So what does that mean for the stuff that's sold at Home Depot? I mean, you have, let's use paint as a simple one. Like, paint's been putting through price increase, price increase, price increase to equal the raw cost. Mm-hmm. Well, at a certain point, people say, you know what, I don't need paint. And that's kind of where we are. Now, that's, I don't want to portray, portray this as dire. Don't forget, in 2018, they, they pivoted at the end. So you had October 3rd down to 20, December You keep reference, uh, referencing 2018. Well, because that's when the Fed changed very aggressively. Very aggressively. And you, you had people who basically were kind of pro-growth who suddenly said, you know what, wait a second. Maybe we're creating inflation. And, David, rates were much higher. Rates were higher. Inflation was nowhere near where it is. Is Powell's uh, resume, Deutsche Bank has a note today that basically is a nuclear winter note. Uh, fire and ice, Mike Wilson, too. You're getting these analysts. Now, if they all go negative... Then That's you're, probably a positive. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, I can't figure out where you are, frankly, these well, days. Well, I'm conservative. I'm, I'm growing much more conservative because yesterday was when uh, Brainerd's speech was very thoughtful. And what she said is, look, basically, you know, I've been pro-working person, and that means we have to have growth. But now I know that I'm hurting the working person. So she's now alive. When the doves align with, uh, align with the hawks, you just have to be more conservative. Okay, but we're going to have higher the, rates into a slower growth? Yes. Okay. See, well, in 2018, I wasn't ready. Yeah, but in 2018, he backed off. I wasn't. You sat here and criticized him every day. Well, backed off when everything was down 40%. But what they're saying, I think what they're really saying is, you know what, rich people, we're not interested in your assets, and we don't care about the stock market. Now, we have a president who doesn't care about the stock market. We have a war in Russia where all we seem to do is, instead of of sending them switchblades and javelins, we send them willy-nilly We'll ratchet. How many times are they going to ratchet up whatever the heck they're ratcheting up when Putin wants to kill people? It's true. See, like, they, you know, they seem to be doing a fairly successful job of defending their country. We, we cut off. Uh, we decided aggressively to cut off the oil imports to Japan, and they bombed Pearl Harbor. You know, you, it, sanctions don't work. What works is, okay, listen, we're going to arm the people who are against you. And they're going to take back the land and then see how you do. You think we should be arming them even more so? Because it's not as though we aren't. And I don't want to get into a whole discussion about military strategy right now. No, I don't mean to. I'm just saying that the sanctions themselves, I I see we up them and up them. And then I see massacres. Do you massacre people when when sanctions are going up? Only if you don't think they matter. Well, that's... It's more about soldiers on the ground. But, but you're right. I don't want to go. Look, and, I care more I, I about. I can't really draw. A, a, I care more about an administration that may be anti-business where it's now servicing. And I know. I don't know when you want to go to the airlines. I want to go right now. Let's talk airlines. Jeez. Yeah, okay. Because wow. that is a good, get us right there? good opportunity to move to uh, okay. things we like to talk about. Takeovers, the stock market. JetBlue does think, announce. Things that are directly going to impact yeah, our viewers. An unsolicited takeover offer for Spirit. Airlines valued at $33 a share. It is all cash, worth about $3.6 billion. Now, in February, Spirit did agree to merge with Frontier. That was a, that is a $2.9 billion cash and stock deal. And it's actually valued at a bit less than it was at the time because Spirit stock prices down. Uh, Spirit, for its part, says it will evaluate JetBlue's proposal, while Frontier claims the rival bid would, quote, lead to more expensive travel for consumers. By the way, don't miss a first on CNBC interview with, Jet, with JetBlue's CEO, Robin Hayes. That will we'll bring you in the next hour. And we'll talk to him. And Jim, let's go right to it. Sure. Because what I hear this morning from my crowd knows a thing or two about their way through takeovers, not to mention myself, is the Department of Justice is probably not going to let either one of these deals happen. So it doesn't matter what JetBlue bids. You can bid anything you want. That's great. Maybe you do something here to stop the deal, but your deal's not getting done, and the other deal's probably not getting done either. Well, so let's say that I was going to say exactly what you said, so I say it again. <laughs> no, you uh, can agree. <laughs> 100%. Look, David. I want to attack some lawyers today. And I'm not talking about Shakespeare, first thing we killed the lawyers. A lot, of, a lot of lawyers are friends. But I don't know what lawyer would have given this advice. There's a fellow, but look, I, we all understand Khan, uh, where she is, FTC. Lena Khan at the FTC. But yes. we have not really heard from the most rigorous thinker, perhaps, in the Justice Department, other than Merrick Garland, who's Jonathan Canner. Right. Now, Jonathan Canner, I think, Paul Weiss. head of antitrust, yes. yes. My Runs firm. antitrust in the Department firm. of Justice. I think so he's basically again, the yeah. equivalent of Lena Khan at FTC is DOJ antitrust. DOJ is going to get this, and DOJ 
really regrets allowing American Airlines to buy U.S. Air. Am I ahead of you? Yeah. Well, I have some others that I did. I mean, when I was there at the comment. Southwest I ATA. Can, you, you're, you're color, man. Give me some color on this. Okay, you're John, color analyst. All right, Jonathan Cantor is going to yeah. stop every one of these. And any <laughs> any lawyer who says that they're not does not know that Jonathan Cantor was one of the top, most rigorous lawyers at Paul Weiss. And the, and the Obama administration cannot believe they let through American U.S. Air. They thought that was, they realized, what were we thinking? Alaska Virgin. Really How could we have been that. so wrong? Frontier Midwest, what were we thinking? thinking. So, Jonathan Cantor? Not Lena Khan. Jonathan Cantor. No, I'm showing Lena Khan's Because no, Cantor is, everyone should be scared of Cantor. What are they thinking? Right. Now, David, I want you to be the high-priced lawyers who yes. are saying this is going to be fine. Yes. Um, are they the same people who said it would be fine for ATT to buy Sprint? Uh, T-Mobile. T-Mobile? Yeah. Yes, were they sure. right? yeah. No, they were dead wrong. No, but I'm saying this is yeah. the same, same lawyers. I don't know if they're the same lawyers. I haven't actually had an opportunity are, are you, to look at the ranks of all the advisors here. For this advice? Well, the lawyers get paid. The bankers only get paid when it actually right. gets done. Well, so I the have, bankers are the ones who are upset when deals uh, okay, well, get I'm struck say down. This. The lawyers don't. They're happy. They're just I collecting. Think, I think that Jonathan Cantor is going to go after the lawyers. Why? He's just going what do you mean that? What does that even mean? You can't go after the lawyers. I think he's going to say They could be them. getting advice that says, listen, and by the way, the market share numbers, if completed, right, uh, if JetBlue were to complete this, they'd have 10% domestic market share. That still puts them well into number five. Have I you mean, flown to Florida American lately? American is 21%. Have you flown to Florida? Uh, yeah, not that long ago. They're paying you to fly to Florida. You think you'll be paying them to buy to Florida? These, but no, I'm not kidding. The, the, the rates to Florida by are the way, so low. Spirit Frontier would be 8%. So, I mean, you can make an argument, Jim, that says the market share that we would have would be nothing. We would still be a little bit more. Of a, we would actually be a, a better competitor. Um, now, that, you know, two going to one in low-cost carriers, which is what Spirit and Frontier are looking to do. I don't know how the DOJ feels about that. And then JetBlue taking out a rival, to your point. Not sure how the DOJ feels about that. But you can make why the argument say, if you're a lawyer you're that not says. Why sure when you know that you're sure? Why? We never know where the Because, you, first of all, the, the companies. All right. If JetBlue were to succeed here, it's going to take a year and a half. Right. 18 months. Where's, they're going to have to put up a huge reverse termination fee. Right. They're not going to go hell or high water because most likely they're going to get right. challenged. All those things have well, to be taken well, into consideration, which is back. why all the stocks are down. Well, I was going to let's step back. Well, here's my color. Don't own the stocks. Yeah. I don't have to tell you whether Cantor is going to attack so-and-so. I'm just saying I wouldn't own him. That's my practical advice. I think we, I think we, we. There, we took care of that. Done. Let's solve the next problem. All right, let's move on to oil. Big oil executives, they are heading to Capitol Hill this morning, and they will face a House panel. That'll be hearing on, uh, of course, surging gasoline prices. Plenty of theater going on there. Let's give you a look at futures. Uh, we got an opening bell about 15 minutes from now. We are you looking go into oil. for a lower that open. That was cursory, We got David. more to talk about oil, Elon Musk's inability to file the correct filing. A lot more squawk on the street straight ahead. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shehi a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. 
For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. In a little more than an hour from now, oil executives will testify on Capitol Hill before House lawmakers and focus the spike in gasoline prices. Brian Sullivan joins us. He's got a lot more on what we can expect to see. Brian. David, thank you very much. I mean, I think the title of the hearing, which starts at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, kind of says it all. It's like gouged at the pump, America's pain at the gas pump or something like that. So I think the title of the hearing using the term pain and gouging pretty much sets the tone. You got six oil and gas, either CEOs or executives, coming to Capitol Hill before the House Energy Subcommittee. It's going to be grilled on why are gas prices so high, why are oil prices so high, and why didn't gas prices move down a little bit when oil prices moved down. I think there's a lot of frustration out there about now our third release, or at least planned release, from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve guys, and the price of oil not moving down that much and still back above 100 bucks. Not on its high of 130, where it touched intraday about two weeks ago, but still above $100 a barrel. Uh, we got the prepared remarks from the CEOs that are coming. Their names that you know, Exxon, Chevron, whatever. Scott Sheffield, I know he's one of Jim's favorites as well. Uh, here's what one of the things he's going to say to Congress. Quote, excessive drilling, low returns, and volatile commodity prices combined with pressures to divest fossil fuel holdings caused many investors to reduce or eliminate their equity holdings at energy companies over the past decade. The industry fell from representing 12% of the combined market value of the S&P 500 in 2011 to less than 4% today. So saying basically they've been wiped out a number of times, hundreds of companies have gone bankrupt, and now as we're trying to increase production, you simply don't have the people, the tubing, the water, the frac sand, whatever it may take, And we can go back and forth because, David, I think you were in the Permian recently. I know, Jim, you were talking about Tellurian and and Chenier on your show last night. Natural gas, which we want to ship to Europe, by the way, is a byproduct of what? Mostly oil drilling. So on one hand, we want to ship more gas to Europe to help them get out from under Putin. But on the same hand, we're making it tough in some cases to produce more oil because of whether or not it's job losses, uh, supply chain woes or leasing, permitting issues, lawsuits, etc. I have a feeling, just a wild guess, guys, the Democrats are going to be all over them. The Republicans are going to say we need to drill, more drill, less grill. Just a hunch. Well, Brian, I've got to tell you, I think that was an unbelievably good rundown. Let's go back to Scott Sheffield for next one, just for Pioneer. I mean, what he's basically been saying is, look, we can continue to drill recklessly, but what will it do? We won't be able to have more capital, more stock price go up and then be able to do things. I mean, I think Sheffield represents a very rational actor. Are they ready on the Hill for rational actors uh, in the oil patch? Or do they want everyone to be like the late Aubrey McClendon, who just said, just drill whatever we can and produce whatever we can? 
That's a good question. I, I think the industry's got to be careful here, Jim. I mean, they're gonna they're walking a, a political tightrope because yes, their profits are up from last year. Yes, dividends are up, buybacks are up, production is also up, capital spending is up, but they're not producing as much oil quickly enough as Congress wants to see. Here's what Devin's gonna say. It used to take, from the time you got a permit, say, okay, you can now put a, a piece of tube in the ground, about six weeks from that permitting process to starting drilling. It now takes about six months because you can't get steel tubing, you can't get people, you can't get water and frac sand and all the things you need. Here's the thing, Jim, I know you've been to Williston. Dave, you've been to Texas. It's 120 in the summer, negative 30 in the winter. It's a hard job. The pay can be very good, but it can be brutal working conditions. And I think when the lockdowns hit and demand collapsed, you had a lot of people saying, you know what? I could probably make a little more freezing my you-know-what off up there in Williston, but you know what? This job that I'm being offered here in a warehouse somewhere may be paying a little less, but it's much more secure and is a better quality of life. You can go to the Permian Basin right now, look in Midland. There's help-wanted ads everywhere. You can't find the people. So I think it's going to be Congress wants answers on stuff, guys. I'm not sure these oil and gas CEOs are going to be able to give them the answers that they want, but we all know this is a lot about politics. Yeah, uh, all great points, yeah, Brian. And as you said, I was uh, last week in the Delaware Basin in New Mexico, Carlsbad, New Mexico, and they were all very happy with the weather because they knew it was going to change very quickly, to your point. And it's somewhat inhospitable in the summer when that dust uh, starts blowing. Uh, Brian Sullivan, of course, will be monitoring those hearings as well. Coming up, though, we're going to have Jim's Mad Dash, and we will count you down to an opening bell. It's a little less than eight minutes from now. Stay with us. Ask Sherwin-Williams and get 30% off Duration and Super Deck products May 17th through the 20th. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. We got an opening bell a few minutes away for you. Keep an eye on the big banks. They continue to give up ground, and of course, it has not been a good year to own them. Uh, JP Morgan, uh, not seen a lot of updates. And then you can see some of the biggest names. We'll be keeping an eye on them and a lot more when we come back. Let's get to a mad dash and then an opening bell two minutes from now. Uh, Rivian has not been a good performing stock no. so far this year, Jim, to say the least. I mean, look, this is a tough day. I mean, Morgan Stanley, Adam Jonas cuts the number, the SAR, the number of, of cars that will be produced. We know Deutsche Bank's calling for nuclear winter where everything's going to be wrong. So I picked Rivian because the analysts are actually very happy with the production. You know, you talk about being able to do, say, 25,000 uh, cars, uh, vehicles. Now, David, Rivian is the favorite of Amazon. I don't know. I just want to say that in a market where everybody feels everything should be sold, 
there are people who are looking at stocks that have been sold down horribly, and Rivian's one of them, and saying, you know what? Maybe it's time. I think it's too early, but I also am conscious that we have not said a single positive thing yet today. No. Uh, 25,000, and they say they're well-positioned to deliver on those uh, annual projections, they, right. uh, production guidance, I should say, yes. is what they're calling it. But to your point, it's funny. I noticed Rivian's market cap fell below that of Lucid for the first time I'd seen in quite some time, and obviously well below that of uh, Ford, which had exceeded a period, a period of time last year, as you right. know, uh, and GM, both of which are also down sharply, Jim. Uh, you know, GM shares are down almost 30% this well, year. Well, I mean, I, I happen to, you know, respect Mary Barr a great deal. I think she has a phenomenal lineup of, of uh, uh, autonomous driving and electric vehicles coming up. And, David, no one cares. I speculated yesterday that it could be so bad that, that GM and Honda would get together simply because you can't have this endless decline. Yeah. All right. There you hear the applause building. We're going to have the opening bell ring, uh, I'd say, about 10 seconds from now. By the way, keep an eye on our CNBC real-time exchange. Expecting a lot more red on that board than green, given at least where those futures are that you're looking at. Here at the big board, doing the honors, Monaco Phillips celebrating his 100th listing anniversary. Interesting day, of course, as we know, with those oil executives on the hill as well. The NASDAQ software and marketing services company Thrive does the honor. Tell Oil me. companies under fire terribly in Washington, uh, ringing bell here. And the kind of company that, that the NASDAQ, where the bell was ringing, is exactly ground zero of what went down during my analog. So I mean, I, sometimes, look, irony is really the stuff of novels. Sometimes it's the stuff of the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ. Yeah. Uh, what's your point, though, on the NASDAQ and Thrive in particular? Well, I'm just saying that the high-flying NASDAQ stocks were the ones that were cut sometimes in half by a Fed uh, that gets tough, in part, David, because those, these are elongated assets and they tend to do poorly in this market. Yeah. Um, by the way, on that note, we got Harker uh, from the Fed, non-voting member, saying series of deliberate methodical rate hikes are, are coming. Um, said this at the Delaware Chamber of Commerce. Fed will begin to reduce the balance sheet, quote, soon. Inflation is, there, is widespread and running far too high. Is there any way uh, that that's the Harker. Yeah. could cause a relief route because we kind of heard from, from Parker Daly, uh, right. Brainerd, look look out, the tsunami's coming. Is there a possibility of a relief? I'm just trying to, yeah. I am trying very hard to put my head uh, in the side of a bull who says, you know what, uh, we know all this. I, I, this is not my view. I want to take a very conservative view. I think people should be paring back. I've been paring back what I would say is aggressively maybe the most aggressively for the club in a decade. And when you say pairing back, what do you focus on in your portfolio, your uh, charitable uh, trust portfolio? Not touching the banks, even though the banks have been, we don't have two banks, uh, but tech, all of tech. Even considering an inverse uh, security that I typically would not want to embrace. Really, one that would basically short sort of an index of technology yes, or high-flying I don't want to do stuff, that. Typically, high multiple, I should say. Right. Typically, I want to just sell. My whole strategy in life has been just sell. Uh, I think that this downturn is going to be a uh, separate the wheat from the chaff. And I want to be in the wheat by the time this is over. 
not wheat from Ukraine, which is, I, I think that Janet Yellen got the numbers wrong. She's saying 30% of the world's wheat exports uh, from Russia. Agco does not say that at all. The tractor in, her, in her upcoming uh, testimony, of course, we will be covering Yellen when she takes and, Q&A and where is our green from that today, House David? panel. Where's our green? Uh, the drugs, uh, pharmaceutical. I got right. Merck up, Pfizer, J&J. Uh, Glaxo, Lily. Mr. Myers? I don't think so. Uh, no, BMY is not up. But but Morgan you know, Stanley can lower the Gilead. So, and, and the oils. And the, well, there it is. I mean, what we've been emphasizing the club is the drugs and the oils. And that, you know what? Those are what I call odd bedfellows. You don't like that? No, I, yeah, the drugs and the oils. I get it. I mean, we, it's funny. And now we call it vaccines and therapeutics instead of just broad. Well, how about the Chinese? Pharma. Did, have you seen the comments out of China? I mean, I, now they're I just have. like saying things. I have. I mean, and China, I we ought to do that. We ought to mention that um, the, the state uh, media director of Shanghai saying it's extremely grim there. Well, we can't ignore that, can we? No, we can't ignore it. And that lockdown in Shanghai is, a, is an absolute factor. And are they really shooting your dog if you're walking your dog? Oh, God, I don't know. Why would you bring something like that up? Well, I, I, because I have... Lots of friends. They're not making you separate from your children anymore. For a while, they actually were separating children from their parents. Look, that's a dictatorship, and, and not really the proletariat. Um, Dave, you know what we really haven't it's a talked real issue, about? The lockdown in Shanghai. You're, you're right to bring it up. Right. Not necessarily about shooting dogs. Do you know what we haven't talked about? At Tell all? me. Do you think it's possible that Jamie Dimon had 1942 tequila when uh, Adam Newman came to see him? A lot. We crashed. I have not watched it. You're referring you think he said to I want to be a private HBO? banker. Um, but I do know, I remember reporting on it at the time, and Jamie was very involved uh, in uh, advising Mr. Newman. I remember, of course, when the tumult began yes. and they were trying to get this thing to the public markets, taking, getting a lot of yeah. advice and well, then knowing that's, what was, that's, to that's a certain extent, what was going on. I think I did some reporting there that actually may have been breaking some news. Do you ever well. hear about my experience with Adam? Uh, no. It was disconcerting. I went How we got on WeWork, I don't have any idea, but, but go ahead. I went to see it because of the We crash. And because we okay. Talked a little bit about and that. the 1942 tequila and Jamie Dimon. I went okay. to see Adam Newman. It was yeah. 11 o'clock. And he had the giant bottle of 1942 tequila. He says, I know you like tequila. You have Mexican. I said, I don't know. It's a little bit early. Yeah. And he said, that's preposterous. And he poured me a shot. Shot. You don't really shoot 42, by the way. No. And I realized by midday, I, I, I had to take a nap because I was quite uh, knocker by Mr. Newman. Yeah, I never got, uh, he had promised me a, a big night out drinking tequila, but we never got there. Things kind of wrapped up for him. But, anyway, but you know what, just I, let's, get, let's get back to some of the news from this week. There's something sure. I would like to throw out at you, which is um, Elon Musk and, uh, and the Twitter uh, position. 9.1%, not 92 it's funny, on Monday I sat here saying, this is a passive position, and therefore, you know, it's unclear that he that would have any interest in the board, of course. It's not many hours later that I actually got wind that he may have actually been in talks with them for some time, and of course it was yesterday when we learned that he would be added to the board. This never should have been a 13G filing, which is a passive filing. This has come up in a number of conversations I've had, in part with investors who own, who were short the stock and, of course, are upset at the huge move that Twitter has made over the last two days. Today, as you see, it is down a bit. Um, but it's a fair point. It always should have been filed as a 13D, meaning that he had interest and in obviously you know, not necessarily um, 
seeking to take control, but right. what is implied by a D in terms of changes, in terms of conversations, he was having them. How this got away is being filed as a G, which allows more time, by the way, for the filing of it in, and the disclosure of the position itself. If it had been a D, he passed 5% on the 14th of March. He would have had to file it by March 24th. We would have known that he was in conversations to potentially join the board of directors. None of this would seem to rise to a, a great challenge to the SEC. Very much unclear what, if anything, they will do. But it is a fair point that people are making. This never should have been filed as a passive stake. It wasn't, and it isn't. And by the way, it is now filed as a 13D. Right, so let's say Elliot did this or Starboard did this. They never would have. Their lawyers they would, would have made have sure it. that it, it's what they do. It would have been a D. So if you're the SEC, do you put a fine out? Do you make them, do you yeah. make them divest you, it? You fine the world's richest man 100000 bucks. Who's richer? It's going to teach him Who's a lesson. Richer? This man or the man who's massacring people in Ukraine? I do not know, Jim. Uh, many say that Putin one's is doing still, One's violating 13D and one's just tying people's hands by the back yeah, and shooting them in the head. Yeah, one is violating all the rules of but, but war, both not are, to mention one is, war unnecessarily. They're both uh, rule violators, but let me ask you something, David. Elon Musk has a playful attitude and is not ever really viewed as being a kind of a, a force of... A villainous force. He doesn't listen. Also, he doesn't. You don't, you don't do what he does by following the rules, so right. to speak. If you follow the rules, you never would have done half the stuff you've done. Well, I mean, he's very smart. Yeah. I, think he, I think he understands exactly what you and I understood, which is that the SEC is not really going to do anything no. that's going to make the world's richest man hurt. No. So, David, um, but, so it, was, but it, was, it was conceivably well, unfair to those who have, would, wanted to have been apprised of the ownership of the stake much earlier and understood exactly the disposition he had in terms of his approach to the company, which was not um, passive, but was much more, hey, I'm getting on your board. How, How he has time for that and the Endeavor board and Tesla's board, well, he's not to mention he's SpaceX jammed. and every other every other effort he's got underway, I have no idea. But well, how about if Warren Buffett did it? Don't you think it would be the same kind of, like, hey, it's Warren Buffett, so I wouldn't how, Occidental, how much, is it all similar, or he pretty yeah, much lets you know the yeah, except way. he's not talking about getting a board seat. Right. When you go from passive to active, after you bought the stock, I understand that to be uh, contrary to the government's rules. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It is now a 13D. He went... Started with a G, I know, but I'm a saying never that, should have been a G. I'm saying that what's the point of the rule then? I don't know what the point of the rule is. It I doesn't mean, it apply does. to him. It applies to everybody else. But wait a second, David. You're talking about a, a, a double standard. <laughs> I may be. I may be. Well, I, all right. I'm looking at your list like here. Him? Just because we like them? Yeah, I want to move on to some other names. Well, maybe there should be a standard it's for funny. people who like and your not list, like. You know, your list is so macro today, and then you get down to like, I don't know, 11. Well, this is my club 12. letter that people should know. Uh, David, most people don't belong to the club. No, they don't. They don't know what you're looking at. 13. You're looking at the club letter that I put out every morning. Sherwin-Williams and Carmax but, and DocuSign. Well, see, those are all, well, not Doc, well, they're all inventory related. Okay. There's too many this, there's too many that. You know, you finally push, put through all your pain increases, and then the public rebels. Yeah. Uh, CarMax, you try to you know, finally have to use cars, and then finally the new car companies can produce the cars. Right. Okay. Uh, and these and DocuSign. Well, if you don't have as many real estate transactions, that's bad for DocuSign. And then there's the document you just got handed. I'd like to know what where that stands. <laughs> the document I just got handed from my producer Gary Caulfield is. Uh, um, it's a uh, conference call that JetBlue had. And we're going to have uh, Mr. Hayes join us shortly. 
Phil LeBeau's now, why, bringing why him on. Why does he join you at the um, time when and he's he claiming, should be silent? You know, uh, one thing we have here from the Department of Justice went through all this. Was, oh, by the way, they're still dealing with the Department of Justice on the American Airlines cooperation agreement that they have. Um, and they're but, still trying to get that through. The concern collected by American that president uh, is Trump. Maybe they think the president's still Trump. Right? Um, so your point being, there was much less predictable. Oh. Nobody would have anticipated, for example, what? that uh, AT&T would have, been, um, would have been challenged by the but Department they of Justice had, when they, they wanted to, to buy Time Warner. a very Warner. serious person in judge. Macon was, was serious, and, but he lost. Um, yeah, he lost. He lost. Here's Robin Haynes. But, uh, but these days, uh, antitrust figures into virtually every deal. It doesn't mean that deals are not being approved. They are. And they right. will continue to be. But I've said this many right. times, Jim, which is the bar does seem to be higher. This one in right. particular, given the regrets they have about approving um, AMR, U.S. Air, and any number of other consolidations that took place in the airline industry, it's going to be a hard bar to, to, to get right. past, even for Frontier and Spirit. Um, Not that you want to if own that deal stays, stays intact, right. uh, and certainly for JetBlue. But we're going to ask Mr. Hayes about it and get, and get some thoughts uh, from him in terms of why he believes this is a combination that will get past the antitrust regulators. Well, yes, look, I, lots I, of deals, Jim, to your point, bold. Are, have to be looked at more closely in terms of their that's, ability to potentially get done or be willing to go to court and right, say, we are willing to be. take you on, Lena Khan and the, or Jonathan yes, Cannon. If you listen to, uh, let's say you step back and you listen to the uh, very uh, neutral words of Phil LeBeau. It's not working out the way they planned so far. Well, no, the because they're, the, you know, I, those are ill-advised. I'm sticking with that word because I don't want to say how I really feel. But if you listen to Phil LeBeau, you know, the, the, there's not this tremendous overlap. Right. There's but, not. No. No, there's not. It's just that we have a different, they have to get the reading of the room. You have both Canner and Khan, and they've been told basically, the agencies are told, don't go with it. I mean, it's like the agencies in the oil department, in oil. Like, they're telling you, listen, don't drill, but drill. I mean, it's yeah. difficult. It is difficult. The government's very hard to read right now. It is. Because it's, the agencies are digging in because Things the president seem to be across, win in November. At cross purposes, no. So the agencies dig in their heels because they're the ones that are going to be appointed and, and, and be, be very liberal. Um, all right, back to the markets. Before we get to Bob Bassani, give me your sort of wrap-up. With the Nasdaq down almost 2% right now and the S&P down over 1%, uh, we've yeah. talked a lot about the Fed continuing its mission to tighten in the midst of what appears to be something of a slowdown right. in growth. By the way, we're coming off incredibly high growth. We have very low unemployment. And I we think, have incredibly high inflation. I don't want to pick on any one company, so let's just take the SMH. Now, the SMH was crushed, David, in my analog that I'm using. I have the numbers memorized. You're looking about an SMH could be down 30, 30% in a, in a month. Right. In, in a, well, actually, from October to December. So your SMH is the one that you have to be most concerned about. Or you could say that's how you hedge. God, I wish I were more bullish. But I'm very conservative right here. I've got my conference call tomorrow, my 12.30 conference call with club members. And I'm not going to be positive. I'm going to be very regretful, as a matter of fact. Regretful? What well, do you I have regret to, about? Well, I, I was hoping that it wouldn't all come together like this. Mm. I was hoping for a little more bullish scenario. Mm. But I'm very conservative here. I had to raise $570,000 to give away. You just went from conservative to very conservative, just in the space of five minutes. Well, Things are getting worse every second. 
Um, that presents me as, as mercurial and arbitrary capricious. Uh, what I mean to say is that I'm looking at the prices and I'm saying, you know what, they may be overdoing it at this point, but I don't want to buy them. How about that? That's what I'm really saying. Now, David, again, the minutes come out. Yes. And maybe someone says, oh, okay, so there you go. And they buy things. But that these little rallies need to be sold. Okay. Um, all right. And we'll see what uh, Janet Yellen has to say. Well, we got to get to Bob Bassani. Make no. it quick. Okay, I will. I, I just wanted to know who made your chat. No, jeez. I don't know. Men's Warehouse? <laughs> Mo Ginsburg. Mo? Let's get to Bob Bassani. <laughs> Man they, who knows his way around a wardrobe or two. Morning, Bob. Oh boy, you are yeah. you're, you're bringing back some memories there, Mo Ginsburg. Uh, David always looks sharp, folks. Uh, and Jim is absolutely right. Sell the rallies is sort of a thing that's happening with tech now because tech got burned. Remember, let's take a look at the sectors. We've had a great two-week rally in tech until 10 o'clock yesterday, and then it's all kind of got blown up. So tech's down 2%. You see, Kathy Wood, ARK Innovation. So here's the difference between what you might call quality tech, uh, uh, high earnings and uh, high multiples or high margins or good profits and lower quality tech. So you see that big disparity there? That's what we're talking about when interest rates keep going up aggressively and the market starts to believe that they're going to keep going up aggressively. Energy's still holding up. Defensive sectors, we've noted this. Utilities, healthcare, also continuing to hold up. But stuff, stuff is starting to really bifurcate here. The market's in a box. It's in a very difficult situation. So right now, take a look at what we've got new lows for. We've got some new, new lows on the list here. You heard Diana Olick talking about 5% mortgages. Pulte, D.R. Horton, Lenar, new lows. Home Depot, new lows. Masco, new lows. Pay attention there. There's a sector that's fading. Speaking of fading sectors, we've got a lot of stuff that's just quietly fading away. Jim this morning was talking about the transports. That's another sector that's just looking terrible. So the high for the S&P was March 29th. Let's just use that as a date here. Transports are down 10%. This is since the March 29th close where the S&P was at a high. Home builders down 9%. Retail's down 9%. Banks, we're going in earnings next week down 8%. This is what I mean, like important parts of the market, like financials, are just starting to fade here. Uh, what's still standing? Well, you know what's still standing. I keep talking about new highs with utilities. Uh, still holding up, energy's holding up. Uh, so we'll stick with March 29th again. Utilities are at new highs. Consumer staples have been holding up. Energy's flat. Healthcare is modestly fat, flat. Uh, metals and mining, as I mentioned before, topped out about a week, two weeks ago. but. Even that's only down 1%. So let's just say commodity stocks and defensive sectors are holding up for the moment better. So here's the problem. This has very big implications for earnings. We're going to go into earnings season, and it's a very treacherous macro environment. This creates enormous confusion for the analysts who are confused to begin with because, well, they don't have a very good grasp on things often. So Q1 is going to be fine. In fact, I think the numbers actually will come in higher than expected. They have very low uh, estimates that they haven't changed. We'll be okay. Q2, I suspect, will still be strong because the consumer and the economy are still going to be strong. The problem is Q3 and Q4. Those numbers are much higher uh, than Q1 and Q2. In fact, they're record numbers. And that's where I think the problem is going to come. You're going to start seeing analysts, uh, if this macro environment continues, and I don't see why it wouldn't, you're going to see them start adjusting those numbers downward. And that's where we're going to have a little trouble. So, David, we're expecting right now 
8% increase in earnings for the S&P 500 in 2022 over 2021, which was a record year. And that 8%, I think, is certainly in jeopardy right now. Remember, David, we're in this sort of blackout period for the analysts. They don't want to say anything and front run what their CEOs are going to be saying in a couple weeks. So that's why these earnings numbers have been very, very steady uh, for the last several weeks. I suspect that is going to change in the next couple of weeks. David? Bob, thank you. Great report. Yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on it. Just a great report. All right. Get a great report from Jim as well. A reminder, by the way, you can get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. He's got his monthly meeting. He mentioned it tomorrow, 1230 Eastern. Can you come to one of my... Can I come? Sure, I'll come. I would love that. You want me to come? And tomorrow, I'm getting the sense it's not going to be a particularly uplifting affair. No, I always like to tell stories to make people understand that this too shall pass. Ah, yes. All right. Signed up. Sign up. Find out more cnbc.com slash join the club. Before we head to break, let's give you a look at bonds, by the way. Not an unimportant sector, to say the least. Of course, we've talked about mortgage rates exceeding 5%. Well, that you can see why. Uh, that has just been a significant move up across the curve, uh, which you get a sense for right now. There is a spread, at least, between the 2 and the 10, although we're not talking much. We'll be right back. Secretary Yellen is set to testify before the House Financial Services Committee on the agenda, holding Russia accountable for its invasion of Ukraine. We'll bring you the Q&A session with lawmakers, and we're back in a moment. Welcome back. Let's get to stop trading. One of the stories that we don't talk about enough versus, say, work at home is Citi. Uh, today, Credit Suisse says they're going to miss the numbers. Now, everybody is almost unanimous to miss the numbers. So how do you miss the numbers if everybody has cut the numbers? But I say this is an ongoing problem. Russia, they have exposure to Russia. And they uh, haven't told us as much about Russia as we might have anticipated. And that's and what I I'm, remember my interview with Jane Frazier. Right. Certainly didn't seem at that point willing to share a great deal. I don't know what the numbers are now, what people are anticipating, Jim. But when we don't know, we sell. And uh, I'm worried. I think that they have the big exposure. And I think that we should know uh, maybe when they say the quarter, the exposure. But the exposure is not in it. You want zero. You want to be a community bank where the only thing you know about Russian is the dressing. What do you got on the show tonight? I have perhaps the most important guest you can have right now since Carnival said things are good. I got Norwegian cruise lines, Frank Del Rio. I want to see whether the exuberance of, of, of carnivals carried over to Norwegian because I like to cruise and I'm ready. I know you are. The haven, the haven part of Norwegian cruise is so gorgeous. Is it? Oh my God. I, the, my, the fact that my wife is willing to travel on the cruise, they do not have baconators, but I bet you Frank fixed it. I can. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.